great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show. I am Scott Prather coming at you on a Thursday, the last day of March. What a month it's been. I'm going to end the month with a loaded show for you this morning. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette. If you're listening to us via the stream this morning, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. I've got Ralph Malbro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast on with me this hour. We'll discuss all things Saints, the current state of affairs. We've got Lance Struther, former college-wide receiver, to come on talk about the receiving situation and an amazing event happening in Lafayette this Saturday that's free to the public that you're all going to want to go to. We've got Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights coming on at about 8.10 this morning to talk Pell's basketball. Go, CJ. That's my siege. That game last night in Portland, we will discuss the, the, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the present outlook and the future outlook for the Pell's. Zion Williamson's on the road trip. What does that mean, if anything? We will get into that with him at 8.30 this morning. The living legend, Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports. Mincy is scheduled to join me on the phone line at 8.30. We'll talk about Final Four in New Orleans, Hogs for the Cause, and more. Yeah, we got a lot to get into. Plus, how about that softball game last night? The Cajuns with a big victory at Texas. So, kicking off the show with me this morning to talk about that is Mr. Charlie Long. Charlie, good morning, man. How are you? You good? Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a good night for the Cajuns. It was a good night in the production studio. It was fun. Yeah, the 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 softball team last night. It was sort of an elusive win, right? You hadn't beat a ranked opponent yet. You've had a number of chances. Right. Texas got them twice earlier this year at mm-hmm. Lamson at Evergerard Field. So, you know, to go back to UT and have that shot at them again, got down for nothing. To come back and win, like you, you want to oh, yeah. see growth. I mean, because the the truth is, to this point in the season, the Cajun softball team hadn't really been playing up to the standards. Now they're lofty standards, mm-hmm. but they're high for a reason. And last weekend it was good; it was a sweet mercy rule. But what were you going to do against a quality opponent on the road? And last night they came from behind. Schwarman was great out of the pen. Yep, they win in extra innings. They take a lead, big hits, then. Uh oh, is Texas threatening here? Are they gonna nope. They 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 shut the door on it. It was the best win of the season. Absolutely, without a doubt. And I mean, for multiple reasons. One, you avenge your doubleheader loss at home. You go on the road and beat a top fifteen opponent. Texas is ranked as high as nine, I looked up. So uh they're a really quality team. Obviously they beat the Cajuns twice already this season. But going in there and they they were sleepwalking to start the game. Sam Landry got on the mound. Uh Kendra Lamb was supposed to start but they scratched her at the very start of the game. So Sam Landry got the emergency start, didn't look very comfortable at the start of the game, walked three straight batters to walk in a run in the first. Second inning, they get to her again. All of a sudden, you're down 4 nothing. The team needed something to jolt them awake, 
and they got that with Jordan Campbell's three-run home run in the third. 0-1 pitch to Campbell. Swung on fly ball down the left field line. It is gone! Three-run home run, Louisiana. We are tied. We've got a new ball game here, folks. Ian Ozan, Bobby Nova uh, from Learfield on that call. They were That's excited. Great call. It, it was such a big moment. And uh, Campbell, who is, you know, she's always pretty optimistic about mm-hmm. things turning and improving. And um, just a, a, no other way to say it. Just a, a needed win in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. But the best win of the season and certainly one they can build off of. So they're, I'm sure they had a nice bus trip over to uh, San Marcos. Um, uh, maybe they stayed in Austin last night. I don't know. But they've got... They've got the three-game series uh, at Texas State now, but coming off the weekend against UT Arlington, you saw some good things. Yeah. What were you going to do at Texas? That was a big one there. And, um, you know, I, look, you've got some other opponents later this season uh, that are from, you know, some P5 conferences, but none of those opponents have uh, the ranking, the record, the cachet. They don't have what Texas has. Correct. Um, and, and I know that, you know, with UL softball, a lot of times it's where you try to win as many of those kinds of games as possible for your RPI. Maybe you can, you know, that's how you can host. That ship kind of sailed when they got off to the start they did. But I think what you wanted to see was, and look, they're going to be playing in a regional. Don't get yes. me wrong. But what you wanted to see was just the improvement. And it was a team with a 14 newcomers, a lot of stuff. And I really think, I don't know, Charlie, it feels like maybe this ship is starting to really steer in the right direction. Am I overstating just no, the last you're, four you're games? On the money. You're on the money, I think. This is a season-changing win, in my opinion, for, for the Cajuns. It's like you've, you've had those experiences against top 25 opponents where you just haven't been able to get over the hump. You've had a couple close games against really good teams, a couple where you've gotten blown out, but then you go down early on the road in a midweek game. You can easily just give up. Like I think... Bobby said um, either pregame that he was that uh, Coach Glasgow would be happy with a three-one week. They had a chance to go four and zero now with this win against Texas. I don't think many people expected it, honestly, especially after those first two innings. Yeah, but the bounce back, battle back, come back and win in extra innings. Yeah, it's a season-changing win. They've had some close games, but then like one inning will get away from them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw it in, in the, the, the the two games against Texas earlier this year. When you're down four nothing on the road like that, it was you just can't say enough. And then to go to extra innings, get two big hits, Sophie Piscos, uh, Melissa Mayu, and then Texas. Then they get a run, and suddenly, oh my gosh, it's unearned. What's going on? Are they about to? Nope. You slam the door. Like Scorman was a professional. Yeah, like she was. She was uh, nails on the mound last night out of out of the bullpen. Just absolutely incredible what she was able to do. The defense was also great throughout the game. Um, but specifically after, you know, the error that can easily spiral an inning out of control, the double scores a run, but you're still up one run because that Melissa Mayu uh, hit score two in the top of the eighth. So she's able to come back and get two flyouts, slam the door shut, pick up the big win. Schwarman, for whatever reason, in the circle is um, just really great out of the pen and is yeah. a starter. And not, but they went to her. They didn't go to Sam Landry. It was, it was interesting. Let's see what she can do. And she gave him... I think six and a third. and Six and a third, yep. All six in and one a third, run, five hits, unearned. one unearned run, great. four strikeouts. It was great. It was a great win, and I'm sure, um, you know, I, who knows what kind of mood Jerry will be in when I talk to him Monday. It'll depend on what happens this weekend, but mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, I'm sure this morning today he's uh, he's in a really good mood. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Uh, as I mentioned, loaded show. Ralph Malbro going to join me. Lance Struther.
uh, Ali Cassell, and Ben Mintz from Barstool Sports. So we got a lot happening. Charlie, before I let you run, man, uh, Final Four in New Orleans this Ooh. weekend. I mean, what, what, what are you? Are you a Duke guy? Or are you anti-Duke? I'm. A, I'm been more of a UNC guy growing up. Okay. You can't as long as you're not Duke is binary. You if you don't have a strong opinion about Duke, then I just think you're. I don't know. You might be a robot or something. Like you, I'm a you, UNC you, guy. You, cho- you so chose. Your Carolina you chose Carolina blue. That should tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Duke is more of just like you either love them or you hate them, and the fact that it's Duke UNC in the Final Four, Coach K's last ride, everything. I, I mean, would love to see Coach K lose. Oh, in the Final Four. yeah. So there, there, there's your answer, yeah, of Scott. Course, of course, of course, you would. Um, and Duke wants nothing more in their fandom. They want nothing more than to see him off the right way uh, in their mind. But I, for New Orleans, I'm just so glad the state and, 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 and the city of New mm-hmm. Orleans gets to host this Final Four because it's huge. It's huge. It's the first one, you know, that's really back to what it was. Last year you had it, but it was all in a bubble. It was right. different. This Final Four, crowds should be huge. You'll have a lot of people in the city. And uh, and from a college basketball standpoint, it is a chance to just be historic, memorable in so oh, many yeah. ways. My only hope, Charlie, is we don't get three bad games, right? Yeah, that's the that's the thing about and, and I talked about this with Lynn weeks ago about the NCAA tournament when we were discussing whether or not it's the best, you know, postseason in sports. The first two weekends, the first weekend specifically is excellent. The second weekend can be hit or miss. Once it gets to the Final Four, there's so much expectations for these games. A lot of the times, they're flops. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a flop, at least with the Duke-UNC game. That's going to be an absolute battle. Yeah. Uh, now, Kansas-Nova, depending on what Kansas you see, if you see the Kansas that played Miami in the second Ooh. half, Nova doesn't stand a chance. Uh, if you see the, how they played in the first half, then Nova, you know, Jay Wright, coach teams, he's they don't the beat themselves. In, I think he's the best coach in college basketball currently. Yeah, I think I'm I not saying he's, you know... Better than Coach K all time, or I'm just saying currently. I think he's Jay not Wright's too far behind the, him. He's, he's got a little he's ways to go. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I don't like giving Coach K any credit, but the resume is yeah ridiculous. But I just think currently, I, I think I think Jay Wright's the best coach. But you lose a starter and all Big East guard, you know, in the mm-hmm. final seconds of the Elite Eight that game. That's brutal. just it's a tough thing. Meanwhile, Kansas, the least talked about team. I mean, you did mention them, but they're just steamrolling everybody. Yeah. Um, the 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 blue blood uh, country club final four, as I like to reference it, you've just got basketball um, royalty, mm-hmm. and it's it's all going to be in New Orleans this week. And Charlie, man, thanks for uh, coming in this morning. Great job on the story last night. If folks didn't, you know, if you, if you missed any of last night's softball game and you want the best recap out there, head to ESPNLafayette.com or the ESPN Lafayette app. Charlie's got it all there for you. It was a very very exciting game. We heard Jordan. How about one more? Just what's another play from the game that stood out to you? So I talked a little bit about how Schorman was outstanding at a relief, but the defense was great as well. Like they had the error in the eighth inning, but there was a diving catch, uh, catch that Caleb Falterman made in left field in the fourth inning. That was outstanding. Two balls, two strikes, two out, runner on second base. Game tied at four, bottom of the fourth inning. Schorman takes the sign from Pisco, winds, delivers, swung on, fly ball. Hit to center field, to left, driving, and Fultzman makes the catch to retire the side. Holy cow, what a play from Fultzman. Coming in from out of nowhere like Superwoman, diving, and with the full extension, makes the grab to retire the side. You know, Zed, on the call, that was just great. And I love Bobby Navo. Oh, 
Yeah, he was just stunned. That was great Couldn't stuff. Couldn't even say anything. Great stuff. All right, Charlie, we'll talk to you soon, all right, my friend? Take it easy, Scott. All right, don't go anywhere. Coming up next, Ralph Malbro. We'll talk Saints football. I'd like to tell you we're going to be super positive. I don't know. Plus, Lance Struther later on. Ali Cassell at 810 to talk some Pelicans. And Ben Mintz, Mincy from Barstool Sports at 830. Keep it locked in. This is the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. And uh, if you thought I was going to bring on someone to try to make me more optimistic about this Saints offseason, well, you're wrong. I, I've tried. I'm, I've asked people, but uh, but we're not, you know, come on. Ralph Malbro, Saints Happy Hour podcast host, Saints historian, Saints writer, my friend, joins us now. And Ralph, um, we, we we got a number of things to get into. But before we before we hit on the Saints, first off, good morning. Um, good morning, you guys. The, the wild NFL offseason continues. Last night, Bruce Arians, uh, it was announced that he was going to retire from coaching and move to the Bucks front office. And defensive coordinator Todd Bowles was picked to replace him. Tom Brady, you know, put some big Instagram thing out like, thank you, all you've done for me. You're loyal, you're smart, so happy. Da 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 da. Um, come on, bro. Let's just say it what it is. You heard rumblings that Brady and Arians were not getting along, and Tom probably said, Look, I'll come back and play for Tampa if he's not the head coach. <laughs> I mean, that's for the I'm not the first person that said it. But I think when you see, you know, an Ian Rappaport say, man, Arians is just looking out for Bulls and he's just doing the right thing. And don't give me that. Come on. He looks at the NFC South. He still has Tom Brady. You think he'd just walk away? This is this is all Brady just swinging that power, right? I mean, maybe. First off, though, I want to say, I want, I want to give credit to a friend, a friend of mine, uh, Dave Tewitt, the alcoholic. He said the NFL 22... 2022 offseason is like somebody took all the fireworks and shot them off at the same time all at once. Like this offseason, it's just bananas, right? I think there's something to what you're saying in that the only caveat I would give is like, Bruce Arians, like, didn't he, he like ruptured his Achilles or something? So, like, it was a really hard season on him. But I agree with you. I think the thing with, with Tom Brady is. He got away from Belichick, right? Because Belichick is a 
taskmaster and it was no fun and he couldn't show his personality and that's how New England does it. And I think he came to Tampa and it was fun, right? And it was like Bruce Arians, like, you know, kind of loosey-goosey, even more loose and fun than like Sean Payton. And I think Brady enjoyed it. But this year, like Brady looked around and was like, we didn't know who to cover in a playoff game and Cooper Cup was wide open and we lost and we and, and Brady Bruce Aaron admitted after the game like they didn't know what half the defense didn't know what coverage they were running. So I think there's something to what you're saying is Tom Brady's like, this ship is too loose. You know, and I think I think, you know, just by maybe making it known, it wasn't so much a power play as like Bruce Arians may have been Oh, he wants me. Tom isn't happy. He wants me to go. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna get out of here. I'm just gonna bump this one off. It's like it was. Like it isn't. Like it isn't like super acrimonious where it's like me or him. But uh, I I see your point. Like I just see like 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 Tampa did everything possible to make Brady happy, and I wouldn't be surprised if and I, I like you. I have no inside information. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady just like back town be like, Hey, you know, I'd be willing to come back if certain things were happened in to the coaching staff, you know, and like that gets it in motion. But uh by the way, Scott though, if Brady would go to Miami, the NFC South could be the dumpster fire we want it to be in the way God intended it to be in twenty twenty two. So we really need to make that happen. We need Brady to the Dolphins. So we can just have a so the Saints can win the South at eight, eight, and one. It would it, honestly, if if that had happened when those rumors started, I think they were more of a retread of something that might mm-hmm. have been discussed months ago, right? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it was something that was like fresh and, you know, Brady unretiring, not that surprising, but the, yeah, if because look. Everything else in the NFC South is new, right? You have all these head coaches that have, you know, the the longest tenured one is what Matt Rule. Uh, you've got you've got um, new quarterbacks, uh, you know, at, at all three places next season, and you thought you were going to have one in Tampa, and that's not the case. Brady came back, but so much of the NFC South is new, and so much of it, at least right now, appears to be not great. I mean, it's the weakest division in the NFL in my mind here today. I mean, granted, it's it's the last day of March. It, it, things can change. But I, you know, our, my friend Gus Cattingale, who I've known for a long time, who used to work at Intercom way back in the day when you and I did. And mm-hmm. he's, he's you know, he's like, Scott, you're, you're being a little too pessimistic. There's a lot left. I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not one of these individuals that's saying Dennis Allen's about to go 5-12. and 12. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm just speaking reality, Ralph, because mm-hmm. while they can change some things and get better with the draft and four picks in the top 101, let's look at where this team is today compared to where they were when the season ended. Season ended, they were 9-8. and eight. Their offense was not good. The defense was good. Since then, your your head coach left. He was pretty good. You've your offense is worse. Like I that's the that's the extreme Cliff's notes, right? That's the, the the back cover of the DVD, you know, explanation of the plot. That, that I'm not giving all the details. In a vacuum, in a nutshell, here today, that's what this offseason has been. Where have they upgraded? 
this offseason, Ralph? Like, what's the spot where you're like, you know what? They just got better at that spot. If you can find one on this roster, let me know, because I'm not seeing it today. They haven't upgraded anywhere. They've downgraded in a number of areas. That's, I mean, these are facts, right? Am I wrong? Well, no. No, you're right. I mean, the only the only upgrade you could say is if they got and if they get Michael Thomas back, right? Right, but you're uh, right. That's but that's like upgrade. just uh, Jameis. You know. But but those guys are coming off injuries. It isn't. It, you know, it isn't like they went out and got Allen Robinson a receiver. That's right? what I mean. You're like we're going to pair Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson a receiver, and that's going to be amazing. Like they haven't done any upgrade, and they're significantly worse. Like Malcolm no, Malcolm Jenkins retired, so now you got both of your safeties gone. To me. That's if you, when you boil it all down, like to me, that's the most concerning thing is like the thing that made the Saints go in 2021 was the defense was freaking amazing the second half of the year, especially like when they closed really strong. So now you took away both of the safeties, right? So, and Kwan Alexander may or may not come back, and Pete Warner may or may not be equal talent-wise and, and ability-wise as Quan Alexander. So you're, you've gone back there. The offense is just so many questions. You know, I've, but the thing is, Scott, and this is why I, 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 you know, I argued with some media people on, on Twitter during the week, and I won't name names because that's no fun. But I was saying to them, because they were like, don't freak out about this. There's lots of reasons for it. You know, the Saints said they weren't going to be active the first wave of free agency. It's no, and I was telling them, and a lot of these reporters – some of them had been with been in New Orleans the whole time, so they understood. Some of them hadn't. I was like, listen, the inact the level of inactivity the Saints have done this free agency period is incredible. Like I cannot remember an off season where they've been this inactive, Scott. Because even if they didn't spend money, Mickey Loomis followed the Randy Mueller blueprint of free agency, right? Which is we fill as many holes as we can in free agency so we can draft the best player available and we don't get pigeonholed. We have to take a position in the draft. And, and, and even when the Saints didn't spend money, right, they still filled holes. Like, remember 2017? They needed a linebacker. They needed a receiver. They didn't go out and spend a ton of money, but what did they do the second day? They signed A.J. Klein, three years, $15 million from Carolina. They signed Ted Ginn, four years, like $13 million from Carolina. Like, they... And you could argue at the you, you would argue at the time, right? We say, well, I don't know if AJ Klein he's the backup linebacker for Carolina, but at least you said they had a hole. They brought a guy in to fill it. They signed Larry Werford for four years, you know, four years, thirty-two million. And you can say, well, he's from I don't know if he's an upgraded guard because he's from Detroit. He was like their third choice at guard. But at least you had a body, and we could have an argument. This year, they haven't even signed. They haven't even signed. They haven't even signed second tier guys. They signed May. Correct. Dick. You know, so this this year, damn it, the inactivity is what's sort of concerning. Now I know there's some reasons for that. The, the free agent period is weird because a lot of the guys left have the same agent, and they don't want to sign. And there's sort of this like weird bottleneck that may come loose or may not. But Scott, they're not going to. You're not going to. You're not going to. Even though they have four picks in the top 100, I was arguing. I was arguing with somebody the other day. They were saying Traquan Smith was a bust, and I was like, Traquan Smith isn't a bust. He's a third-round pick that's getting a second contract from the Saints. Like when you go into those four, those top four picks in the top 101, Scott, here's a really good draft for the Saints this year. They pick, they get a guy who's a really solid starter. They get two contributors, and one of those top 400 picks is a bust. 
So, like, let's say you pick a, a wide receiver and you pick Alave at 18. He's really good. So you fix wide receiver. And then you go out and you pick a safety who's kind of uneven but shows a lot of potential. Well, that's good at safety. And then you pick – maybe you pick a tackle who's like a project at tackle and he's maybe like Landon Young but healthier and he looks pretty good. And then you pick the dude at 101 he just he's just Rick Leonard, right? He's just a complete bust. Awful draft. That's a, real, that's a really good draft, Scott. But that kind of draft – Ain't gonna do it for the 2022 Saints. Not this they one. They have so many holes. That's right. You know, ESP and Lafayette, and and so many folks reference 2017. It's great. It's historically great. What's something that happens once a year in your life? Your birthday, Ralph. What's the greatest birthday you ever had? Right. Think about it. Whatever it was, there, I'm, I'm sure it, you, you probably remembered. It might be from when you were a kid. Whatever. You can't anticipate having that great of a day every year on your birthday. You just can't. Like it's just not going to happen. And. For anybody expecting 2017, you look, in 2020, it wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, heck, (laughs) you had Cesar Ruiz, Zach Bond, and and Adam Troutman. All of those in the top, not not in the top 100, really. I mean, so if if you have one like that, and then, of course, Tommy Stevens, which they traded back into, which was just complete garbage and stupid and that whole thing. But if if you have early picks like that, you look at 2017, you had six picks in the top 105, and you got... You know, six guys that are all either, you know, that have all gotten big contracts. Heck, even the the sixth rounder that year in Muhammad just got a $10 million deal from a team. So you're not going to get 2017. You can't afford in any way to have something like 2020. Have something in the middle. You know, I think it was in 2014, it seemed Mm -hmm. like it was a good draft because a lot of guys were playing right away. And then it turned out, well, no, they're just playing a lot because this team doesn't have a lot of depth. <laughs> the team has had a lot of depth lately um, until, you know, recently. Last season, you lost some of that depth. Right now, you've got about as little as you've had, really, in, shoot, I mean, since 05, I mean, a long time. Maybe it, it's, it's, been, it's been a long time. And so... I mean, it's, it's probably, probably 20... 15, 2016, I, I remember having this argue, another argument on Twitter. I won't name names, but they were they were talking about how wonderful the Saints, how how the Saints they could pick, uh, they could find they were elite at finding UDFAs, and I think like eight UDFAs made the roster. And I was like, my man, when eight UDFA rookie UDFAs make your fifty three, that is not a sign that you are better at scouting than other teams. That is a sign that the bottom of your roster is poop because it means you have all these spots and you haven't drafted poor. So Tony Yules and Bobby Richardson, remember all those names, Scott? They made the team because the bottom of their roster was terrible. And it went the last couple of years where, like, UDFAs had a hard time making the team. It was like Marquez Callaway because he was he's about as good as it can be for a UDFA, really. So that's what this roster is. It's creaky. It's got a lot of holes. Um, and I, I just I, – I can't see them not filling these holes. I, I, I got to believe that it's going to get on – the free agency is like a clogged toilet – and somebody's going to take the plunger to it, and it's going to flush, and then we're going to see the Saints add at least one or two guys. Like, and I'm not saying they'll be like great names, but they got to add bodies. You got to sign like a Will, like a Will Fuller, 
or I mean, this would be super exciting for us because he's local. But like Honey Badger, like they gotta add some dudes. They they I mean, it's not rocket. It's not rocket science. It's not hard to look at the roster and be like, they got a lot of work. The Saints. I mean, the Saints know it too. I mean, they look. They gotta. They lost both their safeties, man. It's it, it, it just to me, I can't. I will be. I'll be stunned if we get to the draft and they haven't added at least two more guys that we can argue over if they'll be good enough to fill the holes that they have. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You mentioned Honey Badger, Teron Matthew, uh, CD Deuce, who is. Um... You know, he's had a lot of fun on Twitter in the offseason and messing with fans and rumors and everything else. Uh, he tweeted at, at, at Teron Matthew yesterday and said, Matthew and CD era, and, and, you know, the eyes emojis. And Tyron responded with sort of a prayer emoji and the fingers crossed emoji, which that just got people going. And I know Tyron's been, you know, making the rounds around the state this week and um, I, I was on Gus's show yesterday, and, and I said, listen, if you told me today where they would likely go here, I think it's probably, you know, P.J. Williams maybe on another one-year deal, possibly two, and just, you know, play him at safety. Like, that's, that's probably what's going to end up happening. But Tyron Matthew, who knows? Like, there was a question of where they were going to play Marcus May, the free or the strong. Tyron Matthew, I know that a lot of folks would get excited because of sort of the, 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 the regional, the local connection. But his style of play, in terms of what Dennis Allen likes to do with DBs, he would really be, like, a great fit. And I think Dennis Allen would love to have him. I mean, you know, the market is... Yeah. It's, people keep saying the market's settling and settling. It feels like it should be settled at this point. I mean, it's the last day of March. Like, we're, we're as far as when the legal tampering period started, we are... We are deep into free agency right now, okay? Um, and I, I I don't know, man. I, I Somebody asked, do you think it's a possibility? Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. I just think you're more likely going to just have P.J. Williams back and, you know, Tyrone will sign somewhere. But I, I think Dennis Allen would love to have him. And I honestly, you know, the Saints should probably be focusing more of their resources on on improving the offense at this point because they, they haven't. But defensively... The, the Tyron Matthew thing, I, I, not what I would bet on, but I'm not ruling it out. Where are you at with with the possibility of that? I here's my fear. Here's my thinking with Tyron Matthew. One, I love it because he's the honey badger, and we get to say go Tigers, and we get to have we get to have a we get to have our moment on Twitter, which we have not had in free agency, right? Because Deshaun Watson was so freaking divisive, right? If they'd have got Deshaun Watson, half the fan base would be euphoric, and then the other half would have been out of them with them, be like, oh, I don't. This is kind of I don't like this. Um, so that wouldn't have been fun. Honey Badger will be 100% fun, 100% amazing. I would make this argument, though, guys. If the Saints are going to splurge on one guy, and, and like, free, like you know, because they, they got the cap savers, I know they signed James, and I know they signed uh, everybody's favorite uh, next-door neighbor, car insurance salesman, Daniel Sorensen. I know they signed those guys. But, like, if, if, if you told me the Saints, they got this cap savers, and you can splurge on, like, one guy, you might overpay him a little bit, you know, but you can splurge on one guy and everybody left. I know a lot of people will be like, you got to get a receiver, get Landry, or, or get Will, you know, Will Foot. I would get Honey Badger because here's the thing, Scott. If you got Honey Badger and he gave you like one of those crafty vets 
one last sort of amazing year where like, I know we don't like to use his name because he was, he ended up horrible and he's in prison, but like if he gave you like a Darren Sharper, like 2009 year where he was just like a turnover machine for whatever reason, or like a Sammy Knight, right? He just gave you one of those years where like he got four fumbles and like seven picks, like that would keep the Saints defense elite, right? If you got, if, if everything fell into place and if the Saints defense is elite, the NFC is so bad, like that could get you a playoff spot. So if if the Saints are going to splurge on one guy in free, like he would be the guy because he, to me, he has more upside for the defense than a Will Fuller or Jarvis Landry or you know Melvin Gordon or somebody on on offense. Like the upside to for your team. And for to affect everything would be Honey Badger, not just because it would be amazing, and I could I could break back out my Honey Badger jersey and just wear it to Saints games, I could just like spray paint it black or something, the LSU one. But that's my reason. That's my that's my football take for Honey Badger, which I think it's pretty good coming from me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll see. It we'll we'll see what unfolds next. ESPN Lafayette. Something else I I, I wanted to ask you. Um, about the Saints, and it's about oftentimes you and I will talk about sort of fan perspective and how they perceive certain positions, right? Like if uh, an old line has a bunch of injuries, folks will point to, oh man, well the quarterback just didn't have a lot of time, right? Um, or bad receivers, right? You, but you know, on the on the flip side, like early last season, right? The Saints were missing a lot of guys up front defensively, and. Everyone's like, what's Cam Jordan's problem? Oh, he's done. He can't do anything. Mm-hmm. They get guys back. You know, he ends up being a pro bowler. And it seems silly at the moment. But then when you look back at how he finished last season, you're like, yeah, actually, holy cow. I mean, double digit sack. So we, we talked about, like, how no one really views positions like that. You know, you just don't. You, you kind of just okay. think of it with the, with the quarterback. As far as coaches go, I saw some chatter on social media the other day of folks saying, you know, fans expecting Dennis Allen to just come in and do what Sean Payton did is silly. Like, you don't expect Jameis Winston to do what Drew Brees did. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I guess so. But, like, I don't like I don't like that comparison. Because when it comes to coaches, it's, it is hard. Look, I'll say this about a coach. I think it's rare that there's continuity. And so when there is and you've had success – you do you do have sort of a different lens on you and that like, well, what's the deal, right? This team wasn't bad. It's not like you're starting, you know, from rubble. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you like you're the coach. You're not a quarter, you're not a player. You're you're sort of in charge of everything. I suppose if like half like if every starter ended up on IR, then people would say, Okay, you know what, the coach didn't do it. But I can't. I, I don't. I don't like the idea of going into it saying, "Look, he, 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 to expect him to be Sean Payton is silly. Like he's not going to have that kind of success. Like he probably won't." But to go to to basically have a built-in excuse for a coach that's been there for a while, that's taking over at a place he's you know he's got a lot of the same pieces around, and he and the organization were, were high on continuity. Like I don't mind fans looking at a coach and expecting you know, success, a lot of success, regardless of who they were replacing. I don't, I don't understand this mindset of, I mean, look, he's not going to be Sean Payton, so everyone just needs to get over it. Like, it's just not going to be as good. Okay, he probably won't be, but to, 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 to have that built in and not 
expect him to do a good job. I, I don't know. What's your take on how fans sort of view a coach that's replacing a great coach compared to, say, a, a quarterback? It's really it's going to be really fascinating, Scott, because I think the Saints organizationally will give him a lot of rope. Like he, I think he has a long runway, and they're going to be very patient. Fans aren't going to be patient at all. Let the Saints start one and four. You know, let the Saints start poorly. And the thing is, because Dennis Allen, we judge coaches by wins and losses on the macro level, but on the micro level, we kind of look at them and we're like is your side of the ball kicking butt? You know, because that, that, was, the, that was the thing sort of that um, Dan, that got Dan Quinn fired in Atlanta, right? Their, Atlanta, their offense was always good, and they had Matt Ryan and they had Julio, but their defense was so bad. And eventually Atlanta looked around and was like, you're a defensive guy. Like, why are you here? Whereas, like, in Sean Payton in 2014, 2015, and 2016, he had won a Super Bowl, so that gave him some rope. But also, like, the Saints' offense was kicking tail in those years, right? They were still top five. Breeze was rolling. And the thing was, well, if he can just find the right defensive coordinator again, like he did with Greg Williams, and he can fix this freaking defense, the Saints will win again. And he did it, and they won for five more years. So, like, Dennis Allen, I think the thing that will make fans just crush it is, like, if the Saints start out and they're, like, say they're, like, three and five, which isn't great, but the defense is, like, still top 10, top 8, and still rolling. And the offense is just putrid, right? And they can't score. And Jameis is doing Jameis stuff. He's turning the ball over. And Kamara's, you know, maybe in decline. And the offensive line's not holding up. And receivers stunk because they drafted the wrong guy. I think fans will be more forgiving of that. But if they're 3-5 and five and Jameis is, like, a top 10 quarterback and the offense is, like, top half of the league, and the defense backslides, and we're like, the defense is 18th. What the heck, Dennis Allen? We hired you because you made the Saints defense elite, and it's backslid, buddy. What is going on? So I think that that all plays into it. But I think the Saints, man, we're not used to losing. Like the Saints, I think I saw something on Twitter. Like they haven't had a top 10 pick since like 2008 when they traded up Cedric for – uh, for Ed, for Ellis, right? So like we ain't Saints, we ain't used to losing. We Not you know they've, they've had some years where they started poorly under Sean Payton. They started going four. They started one five. They they kind of fight. They kind of fought back. Got to five and five or six and six and faded down the stretch. But we ain't used to looking up at Halloween and being like, I need to look at a mock draft. Well, you got to go back to to the Katrina season is a wash, obviously. Yeah. Prior to that, you got to go back to Ditka. Um, you know, it's been a long time since they've been the Aints, and you've I mean, got some younger fans. I mean, 2004, they were 4-8. and eight Yeah. As it they looked like hurt. dead man walking. Then they they and rallied, then, and they, they ripped off four wins in a row. But I, I would say 2004, if you pretend Katrina season doesn't, doesn't exist, which I like to do, I would say 2004 was the, really the last time where you looked up and you were like, it's, October. And then they would have been in the playoffs if Doug Bryan had just made a kick with the Jets. (laughs) They were playing great. I mean, I I, I remember talking to Mike Carney a month or so ago. He was like, yeah, dude, that being in the locker room in 04, the way we were playing, all watching that Jets-Rams game, knowing if he makes this kick, we're in the playoffs or we have all this momentum. 
He's like, it was just brutal, man. Like, it was a gut punch. Like, we finally I mean, got that, it together and played great, and now the season's just over. I mean, that that's a great sort of fork in the road for the Saints because probably, I mean, you never know, right? But if Doug Bryan makes a kick, the Saints are 8-8. Eight eight. They go to the playoffs. They go to Green Bay, and that Green Bay team was kind of terrible and slumping. Minnesota, who was bad that year, too, they went up to Green Bay yeah. and rolled. The Randy Moss moon game. Randy yeah. Moss that is a disgusting act. He <laughs> did the fake moon. I'm telling you, the Saints and Aaron Brooks and Deuce McAllister, he was one of great. They'd have gone up there and stomped Green Bay, too. But here's the thing, Scott. If that Saints team wins the playoff game, I don't think they fire Haslam after Katrina. They'd be like, we can't fire him. He won a playoff game in 2004. So then everything's different. So maybe... We, we feel bad about it then, and it still makes me mad, but maybe it was for the, for the best. Oh, no, I, 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 I gave that, um, you know, uh, I, I basically said what you just said to Mike Carney, and to get his thoughts, he's like, you're probably right. Like, that's probably what would have happened. <laughs> um, anyway, you know, it all, it all led to, to Peyton Breeze, which was, you know, a great run, and and then, uh, and then it ended, and now here we are, and it's it's an entire new era in the NFC South. Folks could say, well, no, the Bucks are running it back. Let's not act like this Bucks thing has been going on a long time. And, of course, we talked about it earlier last night. Their head coach said, this isn't about health. I just I want to pass it off and do the right thing. And yeah. I'm telling everybody that Brady basically had Bruce whacked to uh, upper management and said, <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't get to be the head coach here. I'm calling the shots. I'll come back. And, I'll play again. I, I don't even know how great – I mean, it, it, it sounds ridiculous. I, I probably shouldn't even say it. I mean, Brady threw for like 5,300 yards last year, and he led the league in touchdowns. Like, I, I at some point, I mean, I don't know. I, there could be one hit, one moment, something could happen. I, I just feel like the NFC South next season is going to be a complete train yeah. wreck, which might make things fun and more interesting uh, for the Saints. You know, imagine being in the AFC West where – Everyone's like, oh, the Raiders need to move on from Derek Carr because he's the worst quarterback in the division. Like, you know what? Uh, you know, the, 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 the woman that finishes fourth in Miss Universe, it's not like she's a donkey. You know, like that's, that, that, that quarterback, that crop of quarterbacks is just, it's, it's awesome. And I would hate to play in a division like that. And for some reason, Russell Wilson wanted to go there. So good luck to him. But uh, the NFC South outside of Brady Marcus Mariota, and look, I'm not even dogging Jameis. I mean, it's not like he's he's mm-hmm. bad or any stretch, and and who knows what Carolina's going to do. But I just I, I think in comparison, when you look at the Saints' offense as a whole right now, and the fact that Kamara's probably going to miss some time, um, it's it's rough, man. Ralph Malbro has been our guest, Ralph of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. You know, I enjoyed y'all's convo with Mike Neighbors this past week, and Mike is. You know, he's been on this program a number of times. Just a wealth of knowledge, fun interview, uh, great book, and uh, just great stories and all his chats with Breeze and talking to Doug Flutie about him. And, you know, that's that's some interviews Ralph and the crew do. But, you know, the big show they do <clears throat> once a week is always a blast. And then, you know, you got the four of you guys cutting up and Kevin deciding whether or not he's even going to watch football anymore and Dave drinking his IPAs and, Juge, you know, arguing about the scouting department and Ralph just getting wasted. So, and you got the drunk Saints history parts of it. You have a lot for the Patreons that are that that are following you guys. And I know you have a big following here in the Acadiana area. So, um, right, the number, 
that for Marx, Lafayette is the number two city by downloads. We have almost 4,500 people. I looked at it before this morning when before I uh, got out got out of my car for work. Uh, almost 4,500 people in Lafayette downloaded the podcast. So, like, we love you guys in Lafayette. What the show? Listen. Uh, we have a great time. There's one last thing I want to mention, Scott, that I think is the, the, the most hysterical, maybe the most hysterical thing about the NFC South in the whole offseason. Here's the thing. I think it's hysterical that Atlanta's owner at the owner meeting oh was trying God. to downplay that they wanted Deshaun Watson. He was like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, it wasn't that serious. It was, we were just looking at, we were looking at quarterback options. I think it's hysterical that Carolina, the Saints, and Atlanta in like two weeks are going to be the Mariah Carey meme regarding Deshaun Watson. They're going to be like, I don't know her. Never. I didn't. I mean, she was there, but I didn't holler at her. I didn't holler. You know, I think it's going to be hysterical that the NFC, the NFC South, which basically every single one of them inquired about Deshaun Watson, even Tampa when they weren't sure about Brady coming back, they all wanted Deshaun Watson, and they're all going to pretend like it never happened, which is just to me – uh, hysterical because it, because thankfully it didn't. But that's one of that's one of my favorite like underrated stories of of, of the off season. Well, at least Arthur Blank can't pretend like twenty eight to three didn't happen because earlier that's this right. week it was March twenty eighth, and I enjoyed it. Awesome. You know, it, as as bad as the Saints off season has been, it just you 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 realize. I mean, to this point, to this point, everyone keeps saying, "Scott, it's not over." I get it. I'm just saying at this point. Um, I just know that that the Falcons has somehow been much worse. So it's you know you lose Matt Ryan and and you also have what a forty million dollar dead cap hit. Like cool, good 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 job, guys. Good move there. Um, oh no, he was just ready to move on. No, he got mad because you said, "Hey, let's push back this pay date," and um, we kind of want to sign this other guy. And now Arthur Blank, as you put it, is downplaying it. Sure you are, Arthur. Whatever. Yeah, we weren't really that interested. Uh-huh. ESPN Life, he had the best ticket in sports. Lastly, Ralph, final thing, Malcolm Jenkins. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on him. What One thing I thought was weird was when he was on the podcast, The Pivot, um, mm-hmm. they asked him, I think it was Channing Crowder, was like, well, who, who you know, you did seven years in New Orleans, you know, six years in Philly. Like, who are you going to retire with? I'm like, who's he going to retire with? Like, he's with the Saints because he's under contract and like it's he tech you know post June first mm-hmm. release like who's it's not like this is like a Hall of Fame and you have to wear a certain hat like Major League Baseball or whatever like who's he gonna ret- and he was like I mean that's tough it depends you know if you look back at my career probably depends on when you would ask me I mean he didn't really say one or the other yeah but like I don't know like who he's gonna retire with the Saints because he's on the Saints and 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 you know yeah. he he did have two separate really solid careers with both teams and. He'll be in the Saints Hall of Fame one day. I'm sure he'll be in the Eagles. I don't know if they have a Hall of Fame or a ring or whatever, but they three Pro Bowls, a Super Day, the Super Bowl there. They loved him. I mean, he's he's got there, there's a lot of good Malcolm Jenkins in, uh, memories, and I think you know Thomas Morstead, my friend. He, he's currently a free agent, like he's not under contract. So Jenkins technically is as of now, you know, he was the last remaining Saint. From the Super Bowl team, mm-hmm. and and he just retired. So a lot of things, but to close out, man, I just wanted your thoughts on Jenkins as a player and, and his time with the Saints. I mean, it's interesting because he's beloved as an Eagle, and he's really, really liked as a Saint. And I think he's a Saint Hall of Famer. 
strictly on 2010 Thanksgiving Day oh, yeah. alone. Beautiful. Which is just one of the crazy, ri- ridiculous plays in Saints history. I mean, we've had so much, we've had so many great memories of Sean Payton. It's probably not a top 10, but if you rated them on like weirdness, like the meet around, the jink, like the, the Thanksgiving Day 2010. If we did a top five weird plays for drunk history, Scott, I think it might be a top three of all time. It's so like, great. It's just that tremendous. And he came back. And the thing is, he was really, really, really good these last two years. Like, I know he got older and it's and it sort of maybe his speed sort of declined, but he had that old man strength. And 85% of the tight ends in, in the NFL, he could bully them. Like, look at the sets, like Gronk, Graham. The only guy that got the best of him was Waller in 20, 2021. Every other tight end he pretty much faced, he pretty much wrecked them the last two years because that dude's just super physical, and his strength never left him. And his quickness, he made up for with being super smart and super technical. And I was kind of, when they signed him, I was like, oh, is this Sean Payton bringing back one of his favorites, trying to make up for a regret that he had in 2013? Is this going to be a guy who kind of washed and they kind of overpaid him? No. I don't know how this is going to work. Nope. He was really freaking good. And here's the thing. Like, if he would have said, I want to come back this year, the Saints would have had him happily. Like, he was really good. So he's a Saints Hall of Famer. And he was a guy that they drafted him in 2009. Like, he took him a while to, like, figure it out and get good. And they were playing him in different positions. You know, like, yeah. they, they didn't – he played corner a lot early on. He's he's obviously naturally, a, 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 you know, a, a strong safety and uh, or a safety. You know, he's just naturally a safety, period. Free, strong, just put him back there. And they had him in corner, and they moved him around a lot. And it's kind of like, eh. You know, put him, put him where he best fits, and I think Philly did that. And then when he came back to New Orleans, the Saints, the Saints did the same thing, uh, putting him at strong. But it was, um, yeah, man, he was he was good and good career, and uh, and yeah, second and third in terms of most snaps played last year for the Saints, Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins. So uh, again. You know, just looking at this all season to this point, uh, Ralph. Let's hope that. Oh, dude, sadness, God! They got to do something. They got to do something. Do something. Just, just do something and knock the draft out of the park. That is Ralph Malbro at Saints Forecast on Twitter. Give him a follow if you're not already. Check out the Saints Happy Hour podcast, Ralph. I think you know. I usually I don't have you on two weeks in a row, but you know it's the off season. I, I, we, we needed it. Needed to needed your your guidance, your memory, your guile, and uh, and and your frustration, so we could bounce our frustrations off one another. So thanks for coming on this morning, man. I appreciate it. Any, anytime, guys. It's a pleasure. Appreciate Ralph coming on the show. If you missed the opening segment this morning, Charlie Long and I talked about the huge Raging Cajun softball win last night in Austin against Texas, six to five. They got that elusive victory over a top twenty-five team and. It was um, it was awesome. You find yourself down what four nothing, and Texas, you know, took two from you earlier this year uh, at your place. So to go there, come from behind, and Megan Schwarman, she's 
When she comes out of the pin, she's just better. I mean, it's just facts. She comes out of the bullpen, and she's a totally different pitcher than when she starts, but she was great. Pitched, what, six and I think a third? Allowed a run. It was unearned. Uh, she was tremendous. Cajuns get the two just mega hits um, in the in the eighth, in extra innings. Uh, Sophie Piscos, uh, Melissa Mayu, and they get out of Austin with a 6-5 win. It was tremendous stuff. Now they'll head over to Texas State for uh, three road games this weekend. Ian Ozan and Bobby Duvall have the call. You can hear all of them right here on ESPN Lafayette. But just a, a, a tremendous softball game last night in Austin and uh, in one heck of a win for the Raging Cajuns. All right, this is the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette Studios, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers Louisiana Sports Book for daily line specials, parlays of the day, and more. Learn more at betrivers.com. Coming up um, later this morning, Ali Cassell will join me at about 8.10 to talk Pelicans basketball, their game last night against Portland, and where they are in the standings and the state of the franchise. Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports. Mintz, scheduled to join me at 8.30. He's in New Orleans, Final Four, Hawks for the Cause, other things. We'll chat with him. Lance Struther, uh, former college wide receiver, STM uh, assistant football coach. He's going to join me in the next segment to talk a little bit about the Saints receiving problem and something really, really awesome happening at Moncas Park this week. And we're going to do that next with Lance right here on The Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. All right, so you're listening to The Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather, and I'm joined now by an old friend of mine. When you say old friend, and as you get older, it makes sense. I've known you for more than... I mean, I've known you as long... Like, the Cowboys were still somewhat relevant in terms of like being a, a, a championship team in the NFL when I first met you. <laughs> you. You would mark it that way. That's right. We've known each other uh, longer than half of our life. There you go. That's Lance Strother. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, many of you know him from uh, coaching over at STM. He's on the staff there. The great catch. Yeah. That's right. The old the great, great catch. catch. And uh, Javon Walker using it. You come on before we've talked football. We're going to do that. Also, going to talk about hope fest which is coming up this weekend at moncus park it's going to be fantastic i mean moncus park when the weather's great you're out there i don't know man i was i was there this last week with my uh my wife and kids having a picnic the weather i'm like i'm so glad lafayette has something like this i've been a fan uh from the beginning just watching it uh develop in the visionary stage as they would post it on social media and my family and I as well have been enjoying it just about every weekend we're in town. Uh, it's, it's an awesome space for the city. Yeah, we're in town. I know you, you got kids who are on the run doing a lot of stuff, but I know where y'all are going to be this Saturday. Uh, Hope Fest is at Moncus Park. We're going to get into that in, in just a moment. I need you to give me a little hope about the Saints because as, as a former college wide receiver like yourself, I felt like the Saints wide receivers last year, um, from an NFL standpoint, were at the bottom. Uh, they were missing Michael Thomas. 
I mean, they haven't really done anything much in free agency. Oh, well, Michael Thomas is coming back. Well, even when he was there, there was always the Saints desperately need someone else. I, I think that's still the case. So I don't know. Are you thinking about maybe putting the cleats back on? Like, give me some hope here with the Saints receivers. Well, the hope would definitely not be, let's be clear, me putting the cleats back on. <laughs> uh uh, I wish that was an option at some point in my career. No, no, no chance. Uh, but yeah, man, I agree. There was a a lot left to be desired uh, for the Saints. I'm kind of curious about the whole squad. Um, big question mark uh, there for me. When you, you know? when when a coach leaves, man, it's um, I don't know. It's everything's new, especially a coach that's been somewhere a while. A coach that has their fingerprints all over everything. You know, I think continuity continuity at some places is easier to move on from than others. Um, I mean, you're you're on a staff where the head coach has been there for how long? Um, mid eighties. <laughs> I mean, a long time. Long enough to be inducted into the all of the available sports hall of fames. Uh, in fact, here shortly he'll be inducted into another one. But uh, yeah, blessed to coach for Jim, and that continuity piece is huge, man. Yeah, Coach Hightower doing his thing. Coach Danny and basketball over at STM, guys that have been there a while. But when you find a good thing, you just you keep going with it. I know you've been at STM a long time in a variety of roles. And one of the things you do over there with the ministry is Hope Fest. So Hope Fest is fun for the whole family. And it's fun even if you don't have a family, regardless of your age. Live music, beautiful weather, a lot of stuff. But what is the essence of Hope Fest? For somebody listening that isn't sure what it is, when, you know, what... I guess, how was it birthed? Where did it start and, and what's it grown into? Hope Fest started with a bunch of young people that I was working with, uh, juniors at St. Thomas More. Um, I was we were looking at uh, Christian morals and values in class. And uh, it was just a deep conviction. Like, you know, the, the most important thing here is that we walk out of these classrooms and these walls and into our communities and we make the place better. We, we, try to be the hands and feet of Christ. And we, we look at our, our neighbors, identify who's most in need, and let's go out there and help them. That was the genesis of it. And I challenged young people to come up with a vision to do that. And it was the young people's vision to make a music festival uh, that celebrated hope and that pointed our efforts uh, directly to one or two beneficiaries each year. So every year they research Acadiana, identify the most... Uh, uh, our neighbors most in need. They form a consensus on that beneficiary. Okay. Then we get to, to working real hard to, to bring an all day music festival to Acadia and we're in our 15th year and it'll be the first year ever at the brand new Moncus park and big news. It'll be the first year ever. It's free. It's free to the public. Wow. So free to the public this Saturday. Now there's also a 5k right at, at so 10 AM at Moncus park. How do folks sign up for that? How can they run in it? Yep. You can go to stmcougars.net, and you'll see a big Hope Fest button for all things Hope Fest. Uh, click that button, and you can register to run or walk with us in the first ever 5K runner walk through the beautiful Moncus Park. You know what, Lance? I may have to sign up for it. Now, Let's my son it. has a class that morning. My wife's teaching a class as well, but I, we got to find a way. I think I need to run in the You 5K. need to run in that. Absolutely. I'm ready. Because what I usually do is I drop him off, and then I just run for an hour, and I, I come back. I just leave my car there. Let's talk about this this music lineup you guys have. Uh, Mackenzie Bouge, the headliner of, of the voice fame of American Idol fame, and uh, he's a great artist. I mean, you got 
Five K at ten AM. Music starts at eleven AM. How long does this does this go on? So the five K kicks off at ten AM and it'll finish right into the opening of the music festival at eleven AM and it ends at nine PM. So we kick off with high performance, a, a great Cajun band, uh locally. They'll play through the lunch hour, wrap up around uh, two PM. And then the the newest hit in music in Lafayette, she was she was launched uh actually this past week, Layla Laverne. She's an 11-year-old, um, like people are saying, she might be the next Adele. Uh, she's a prodigy. She's a prodigy, yeah. And uh, I, I, was, I was fortunate to hear her at her launch party. Unbelievable 11-year-old talent. Uh, packed house at the Grouse Room. She's going to be playing right after the Cajun band. Uh, followed by um, Wild Card, a brass band that's going to be doing some jazz funk. And then Ori and Grace, two uh, young people from Lafayette High, are going to be Rocking the stage, School of Rock comes up, and then Lovers will open up for Mackenzie Borg. Man, uh, big lineup. Uh, Mackenzie Borg headlining it, but music all day. Now you said the music is free to the public. Go to Moncus Park Saturday. How are you guys raising the funds this year, and uh, with with it being open to the public? I'm glad you asked. Uh, we have some absolutely amazing uh, sponsors. The business community in Acadiana is is really amazing. Uh, when, when you do a, an event like this for 15 years, you really learn how generous and charitable uh, people are in Acadiana. So people are aware that when they, when they help Hope Fest, they're, I say they're, they're donated dollar works twice. It works to support our beneficiaries. This year it's Foster the Love of Louisiana, mm-hmm. uh, helping foster children and their families. And then it's the STM Options Program, helping out our special needs kids. Um, and, and so your dollar works that way, but it works also to support a whole bunch of young people who are kind of quietly behind this festival, working really hard for a, a bunch of months, trying to make a difference for our community. That's awesome. Hope Fest this Saturday, Moncus Park, April the 2nd, 5K at 10 a.m. They can sign up at STM. STMCougars.net. There you go. Learn more there. Sign up there. Music starts at 11 a.m., goes all the way till 9 p.m. Uh, Mackenzie Borg headlining it. And uh, I think I accidentally called him McKenzie Bouge earlier. That's because you and I share a friend that goes by the name Bouge. Shout out Bouge. He was on my, I know he'll be, especially the brass band. He's going to be there dancing and uh, going crazy. You're a great musician yourself, Lance, you and Sean. Um, You know, I know you aren't playing at Hope Fest, but anytime y'all do play, I'm just, just saying, I enjoy the music. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. We, uh, we're playing here pretty soon in Vermillionville. Looking Uh, forward to it. Yeah. All right. So that is Lance Struther, uh, STM coach. And a friend of mine promoting Hope Fest. And um, a lot of Saints fans tell me I need to have a little more hope. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I just I don't think they're as good as they were last year. And last year, their offense wasn't good, Lance. I'm just, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being a realist. Well, I apologize to all your fans who are uh, feeling like you need a little hope that I could not bring it in for you for the Saints. But uh, hang in there, you know? Yeah. No, you guys have fans. McKenzie has fans. I just have listeners. It's, it's funny you <laughs> call them fans. Though. That was nice of oh, you, Lance. Scott, you got fans. It's always great to see you, man. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you came into the building. Uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday, Moncus Park. What a beautiful day, and um, what a beautiful place to have free concert, free music all day for the family, for individuals out there. And then a 5K again, 10 a.m. this Saturday morning. STMCougars.net if you want to sign up for it. And learn more. Appreciate the time, man. All the best. Thank you, Scott. All right. Great stuff from Lance. We'll take a time out when we come back here on ESPN Lafayette, KPEL Lafayette. 
We will be joined by Ali Cassell of thebirdrights.com. We'll talk Pelicans last night's game against Portland, uh, the state of the franchise, and more. It's all coming your way right here. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere.